This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Everybody, welcome to Sports Biz Pod. I'm your host, Nick Hayden, founder at Sports Biz Group. This episode was originally recorded on a LinkedIn live stream we did in October of 2019, where I sat down with Ryan McGregan, the Vice President at RX3 Ventures, a consumer-focused investment fund based in Orange County and is backed by Aaron Rodgers. They invest in companies within lifestyle, food and beverage, and sports. It's a great episode to learn about how Ryan was able to break into the investing world and the sports world and what they're building with this fund. Thank you so much. If you haven't already, go like, subscribe, and give us a five-star review wherever you consume podcasts. Enjoy the show. Uh, I guess I was just about to jump into myself. Um, so I, I grew up in the Bay Area and went to college on the East Coast and um, ended up in New York uh, working at Morgan Stanley on their uh, consumer investment banking team and uh, you know, pretty quickly developed kind of a passion for consumer brands and and evaluating consumer brands and understanding the uh, the pull they can have uh, on individuals like ourselves and the uh, the barriers that can create uh, for a business and and the competitive advantage um, that, that that they can glean from the brand. So wanted to um, continue a career in that space and move to the investing side. Worked at Carlisle on their consumer uh, buyout team in New York. And I went, went, went to business school um, back on the West Coast uh, after two years at Carlisle and uh, was, was at Stanford and Palo Alto, I guess you could say, caught, caught the entrepreneurial bug, so to speak, but uh, w- wanted to, um, you know, work in a, in a smaller environment and, uh, you know, enjoyed investing in brands, but, you know, wanted to go somewhere with a little bit of a unique, unique angle and, and somewhere that's, you know, a little smaller, scrappier than, than, a, than a large private equity fund like Carlisle. So uh, scoured the universe for uh, first-time consumer funds with, uh, with an interesting angle or, or some sort of unique angle. I think one thing I learned um, at Carlisle was just how, uh, how similar every investment fund out there looks these days, even within the consumer space, you know, the, the playbook for adding value for fa- to founders, companies, and, uh, and, and generating returns is really similar across most funds. And um, was connected with the guys at RX3 uh, at the time. Um, I guess they were only about four months old. We're still in the market raising capital. Uh, and joined here in January. Um, the, the the strategy of RX3 kind of stems back to um, Aaron Rodgers, most notably, uh, and his close friend Nate Raby, who's the the day to day managing partner here. And you know, the, Nate was a banker at Roth Capital, which is a small boutique investment bank out here in Newport. And he and uh, Aaron had worked on a few different investments together. Aaron enjoys investing kind of on the side when he's not too busy with his day job or winning Monday night football games. 
Um, that was a big win. Came yeah, that was Came down to the wire. Um, yeah, it's, it, it's pretty funny um, watching football now. There's uh, there's a little more stakes in it for, for me, I guess you could say, from a career perspective when I watch him play. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But they got together and, you know, they had done some investments where Aaron um, and they kind of put together a group of Aaron and other kind of professional athletes and they would invest together into some of these fundraising rounds that uh, Roth Capital was banking. And, you know, they pretty quickly, um, you know, saw the demand uh, from founders in the market for high profile athlete influencer type individuals on the cap table early on where, you know, they are, they can become truly aligned with a brand, um, you know, versus just being a paid, uh, mercenary, uh, posting things on Instagram. Um, so, so that was, that was where the idea was spawned and they went out, uh, to a lot of, you know, those athletes that they had, they had done deals with before and others in Aaron's network and raised as much capital as possible from, um, you know, that sector of individuals you could call them influencers you call them professional athletes whatever you want to call them all the above uh and raise as much from them we have about 25 or so uh professional athlete influencer types in the fund um supplemented that with some more traditional you know family office high net worth individual money um and i guess when i joined in january they were at 40 million and we closed the fund on a little over 50 um about five five, six months ago, and, you know, I've been off to the races, um, and, and the strategy is really just to find uh, and invest behind brands uh, whereby we see a clear path um, for one or more of those uh, athlete influencer individuals in our investor base. Um, we see a clear path for them to add value and help uh, grow awareness of the brand and move the needle on the revenue growth front. Nice. So, what are, what are some of the other athletes that are are older? Are you allowed to to say? Um... Yeah, we don't we don't like to uh, to advertise it just because then you get um, you get a situation where a founder really wants X person and that person says, you know, I don't like that product. I'm not going to help it. Yeah. Was in a tough spot. There's a Forbes article out there with a few names that that uh, that gave us a pro- we got approval to mention. But Desmond Howard is is very involved. Um, Danica Patrick, as you can imagine, is a, is another investor, and she's she's awesome. She's um, you know everything she's done, um, you know both in the uh, in the racing world and outside of it is pretty cool. And she's she's one of those uh, one of those influencers or athletes that's. Uh, that resonates with pretty much every consumer demographic, male, female, you know, millennial, older. Yeah. Um, so she's another one. And we actually have uh, six current, uh, I guess five current, six current or former NFL quarterbacks, including Aaron. Um, so it's a, it, it's a good group. And, uh, you know, we're still, you know, figuring out all the different things that these, uh, these guys and a few girls are interested in so that we can, you know, find, find the right brands that really will resonate with them organically. Cause for us, it's all about, uh, you know, that organic fit versus anything mm-hmm. that's for, uh, they've got, they, they have no obligation to support anything we invest in. It's really just our job to, you know, find the brands, the companies that, uh, you know, that they'll feel, you know, organically willing to, to support. Interesting. So, so what are some of the, the brand like categories that, that have like piqued your interest or you've got, you guys have already made kind of moves on like, you know, uh, you know, there's CBD products is really interesting, especially with NFL players using this product. Like,
cover that's kind of like a hot topic or if it's like an apparel line like is there some something specifically that kind of piqued your interest or the team's interest over you know since you guys you know have started yeah yeah uh it's funny you mentioned cd we're actually looking at uh at an opportunity in that space right now um and and that's a that's a good example of uh of kind of how how our strategy plays out in practice you know we were thinking about whether or not we wanted to play in cbd um you know obviously quite the quite the gross base but um you know there's some still some questions around it for for current athletes particularly in the nfl um but the, the feedback we got um what from our athletes uh, particularly the nfl guys was was quite frankly amazing or shocking, if you will. Um, you know, something like 85% of them, you know, use some sort of CBD product. Um, and, uh, and the fact that someone of that caliber is using it, it means in our mind, it's got to work. Um, and kind of through the questions of efficacy out the door. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's one space where we're still kind of putting our toes in the water. Not sure if we'll get there quite yet, but, personal um men's hygiene and and just men's grooming and men's um kind of increasing tendency to spend more on appearances and grooming has been a focus for, of ours um just given um unfortunately right now most of our influencer base is male um and you know that's um an easy place for us to uh an easy segment for us to play in in terms of being able to add value so so that was one early on that we we were and continue to be focused on and uh hymns is one investment we made in that space um uh, manscaped is another one which is a, yep. is a is a pretty cool story there um and then you know mac weldon is is a little removed from grooming but it's it, it's men's basics apparel and you know that's along the same lines men are you know, thinking more about what boxers or briefs they're wearing and, and, and thinking more about getting, you know, a little bit more premium there. Um, and, and so that was another one where we just saw an easy fit. Aaron actually happened to already wear their products and love the brand. So, so that was an easy one as well. But I'd say those are, those, those are two of the spaces we're definitely interested in and, um, candidly continue to think through ways to play different kind of growth segments like, like pet. Um, you know, everyone, you look at any consumer fund portfolio, it's very hot in pet. Um, and so we're, we're still thinking through how to, uh, you know, g- get a survey out to our athletes, see who owns a dog or a cat and who, who, uh, who likes their pet a lot. So we're, uh, we're definitely still honing, honing in on the, the, the segments we're going to focus on. Nice. So, so, um, when like making a decision or something like that, where do you, do you survey, do you have like a survey group with all your athletes and kind of understand like what products they use or what gets them excited and then kind of tr- like turn that into trajectory where you're trying to head or like what's kind of the process to kind of like analyze these opportunities and like what fits the most for, uh, RX3? Yeah, I mean, I'd say the goal, uh, and we've spent a lot of time talking about how best to do it is to get, you know, some sort of survey out um, that's relatively simple, but yeah, that gives us a better idea of um, what each particular individual is really interested in. Uh, right now, it's uh, it's a little more kind of ad hoc. Uh, we'll we'll come across opportunities in spaces that you know we think will resonate and that we know are attractive from an investment perspective, uh, and then we'll either text or email and uh, and, and and figure out. Um, 
you know, who, who we think uh, could really get behind um, those individual names. Um, but yeah, the, the goal here is to have kind of um, a top-down mandate based on some sort of survey where we know we want to go after a particular segment within PET because XYZ owns this type of dog and really cares about feeding them, you know, all-natural food or something, something along those lines. Nice. So, so pet. Um, what's like? What's been some companies that you've seen out of that that side of things? I thought that's kind of interesting side of like, is it pet technologies or? Uh, I mean, it's it, it, most of it for that we've looked at so far has been on the on the packaged goods side. Um, so a lot of better for you. Uh, pet food, um, all natural pet food. I think. But I mean, the, the broader trend is just the humanization of pets and the fact that people mm-hmm. uh, more and more consider uh, a pet like they would consider a, a child. So are willing to yeah. uh, really, um, really spend on it and, and make sure they have you know the best type of food available and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I mean that that's just one example. I think uh, you know there's uh, there's a few other area like connected fitness is one that's easy for us um just because we know all of our guys work out a lot and we can get their opinions on on um you know how they like to work out and and hydro to give a specific example hydro in our portfolio is a connected fitness rowing machine call it kind of the peloton for rowing if you will although we like to say it's its own thing um and uh that was an easy one where the opportunity came across and we talked to a few guys and they they all said they incorporate rowing into their workouts every day and that it's an awesome workout and candidly we're surprised that more people didn't uh didn't use rowing machines as at least part of their workout. So, so that was another one where ad hoc kind of come across something and, and we have a thesis on it and we confirm it by going out to the, to the guys. Nice. So is there a certain like stage of the company that you're looking for? Is this like more um, series A or seed round or kind of like a, a hybrid between, or is there, um, you know, earlier or later stages? What's the main focus? Yeah, I'd say we're unique for a $50 million fund. We're largely stage agnostic. We won't, we like to see a proven product in the market. And the biggest reason for that is just, you know, if we're going to have an influencer support something, um, we want to make sure there's already some traction with consumers and that um, it's not something that, you know, is going to, is going to go away, um, you know, 10 days after someone does something or posts about it. Um, so, so typically stay right from seed, but series A all the way up through, you know, a later stage growth, um, PE round or buyout. Um, you know, Hydro was a series A and then Core Power Yoga, uh, which we were a co-investor alongside TSG for, you know, that was a $650 million buyout. Um, put in a, a million and a half equity check and, uh, kind of brought, some of our athletes to the table, um, you know, in that in that case to uh, try and help them grow awareness among men uh, of, of yoga as a good workout. Mm-hmm. Nice. So um, we actually just had a question come in, um, esports related, from uh, Herb May, who's the head of growth at uh, Roundhill Investments. So how how are you uh, guiding athletes, whether it's like in your company? or just even people you're working with through the esports sector, or is that something that you're looking uh, for investment side in, into? Yeah, we see a lot of esports names. I think we've had 
a little trouble figuring out how we uh, we want to play it. Um, you know, valuations are are uh, are lofty everywhere, but particularly so in that space. Um, and and so for us, we haven't really figured out our angle there. Um, we've seen everything from uh, from actual teams to apparel, um, gaming apparel, and um, it, it, you know we. Along the lines of this survey, you know, we we haven't really dug into who is a, an avid gamer in our in our network. Um, I imagine we'll have a couple, but um, you know, the, that's that's one area that that you know we look at, but really haven't figured out the best way to play it. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So there's an uh, open horizon, kind of seeing how it navigates. Um, cool. So so the four categories that you guys are focusing: in, lifestyle, food and beverage, sports, media, entertainment. Um, you kind of briefly touched like here and there on that, but could you go like one by one kind of explaining like the kind of uh, the roadmap that you have maybe for each one or something that you've kind of done to like, I guess, starting with like lifestyle to food and beverage. Is there, how do you kind of define them? Or are they both all kind of working together um, as you look at them? Yeah, that's no, a good question. And I think the, uh, those four segments pretty much cover vast majority of the universe, right? <laughs> it's pretty broad. Uh, and I think we continue to own that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think for us, anything with a health and wellness, you know, better for you type of tint to it, it is going to be the easiest fit. And whether that's a uh, food and beverage product that is, you know, better for you has protein in it or something, um, or if it's a kind of connected fitness, more lifestyle, uh, health and wellness product like a hydro. Um, so I, I think right now that's really where we've been focused because it is the easiest to find find a fit uh, with uh, with some of our influencers. Um, but then uh, I guess I don't even remember what exactly is on the media and entertainment. I think that that's one we we haven't spent much time on, and I think part of that is. Um, you know, it's just, it's a lot, it's a lot easier to add value through the influencer front with something that's sold directly to a consumer and that, you know, you can, um, you know, have Aaron or Danica post something and then you can go in and see weekly sales for the company and actually see, you know, the needle moving. Um, versus some of the media and entertainment stuff, it's harder to draw a straight line between um, a successful outcome and, and what we've done to add value. So I think that's media and entertainment is one area we'll we'll grow in as we continue to hone the strategy. Um, but for us right now, we're just trying to really uh, you know stick to our core thesis um, in that we only want to play where we can truly see a clear path to add value because otherwise, you know one of the other million slew of $50 million funds out there. Mm-hmm. Nice. So um, there's a question that kind of just came in that, that kind of like uh, good relay off that. So it comes from uh, Mark Wilson, founder of uh, Athletic Venture Advisors. Um, so how active are you guys with like strategic partnerships? So like once you make the investment into a portfolio company, is it more kind of you already trust the team and they're kind of taking care of these uh, partnerships or um, is the partnership kind of really more with the athletes? So like how hands-on are you guys with like constantly finding strategic um, you know, p- partnerships and opportunities for the companies you invest in or is it more a little bit more hands-off and you kind of invest into a model? 
Yeah, I mean, I think we're pretty hands-on in our in the area that we play in and where we try to add value, which is uh, influencer marketing endorsements, broadly speaking, or partnerships with these athletes. So Nate Raby is the managing partner. He's um, you know pretty focused uh, on post-transaction value-add initiatives with, with with our portfolio companies. You know, the day after we make an investment, we try to schedule a call with the CMO or, or the CEO and, and just think through some of the ways that we've thought of through our diligence process uh, that we can add value. In terms of actually structuring, you know, one-off deals with specific athletes, you know, if there is um, specific, you know, actions or a real, you know, clear uh, path for one of the individuals in our network to, you know, endorse something um, or develop a partnership that's over and above just kind of an organic, you know, I'll show up at this event or and post a few things for you. Um, that's when we will hand it off to, you know, their representative at XYZ agency um, or their manager and, and they can structure kind of their own deal. Um, we will, you know, ta- help talk through ways to structure that deal in terms of using, you know, warrants and equity versus straight cash. I think that's one area um, that is underdeveloped in my mind um, from, from the athlete in front, I think uh, agents tend to place a premium on, on cash deals, um, and a lot of times it's uh, it's probably better to have these athletes aligned on the equity front as opposed to just getting paid out in cash. Then they feel a longer term uh, need to or, or desire to support uh, the brand themselves. But um, but yeah, we're we're hands on. But uh, if it gets if it gets too in depth in terms of a single athlete um athlete's relationship with a brand will hand it off to an agent nice so so how many people are are working at rxc right now it's a pretty like small tight-knit team right yeah it is i mean yeah so day-to-day there's three of us um nate myself and connor um we're hiring we're in the process of hiring one more um kind of mid-level junior person um and then we have uh, obviously Aaron and, and Byron Roth are two uh, of the other general partners, along along with Nate. Um, they both have, have day jobs. Aaron's uh, is it obvious. Byron Roth is is founder CEO of Roth Capital, which is uh, which is a boutique investment bank uh, down here in Newport. Um, so he's uh, he's involved uh, as much as he can be, and and, and you know is is involved at the investment committee level, but day to day. Uh, it's right now three of us, soon to be four. Nice. Is that is that pretty common for a, a fund of this size to have a smaller team, or is, is that something you've seen in the past, like small, tight-knit team, it's kind of easier to navigate, or having a bigger team might be kind of too many cooks in the kitchen? Like, what's your kind of assessment on that? Yeah, I mean, we, we love a bigger team. It's, uh, it's hard at uh, – at $50 million to, to make the math work in terms of management fees and, and hiring a big team. Um, so it's, it, we're small and nimble right now. And, uh, you know, we, we, we definitely have plans to grow, um, as we, as we near, uh, kind of a fun too. But right now I think, uh, four people with this new hire will be, will be ideal. Um, and, and will allow us to, um, you know, both dig into uh, a later stage opportunity in the pipeline 
and continue to source at the same time. Um, I think anything anything less than three or four, it becomes hard to uh, to do two things at once. For sure. So you mentioned uh, the fund too. What's the what's kind of the strategy behind that? Or you know, you, you just kind of recently secured the the fifty million dollar fund. So is there anything that's kind of like fix the same thesis or something that's kind of kind of evolved more as you guys grow to a, the second fund? Yeah, I mean, so I guess the the broader vision here is to create more of an all encompassing kind of one-stop shop for <laughs> athlete influencer investing. Um, I mean, you're seeing more and more all these um, athlete-driven funds pop up, whether they're connected to a single name like a Serena or a Kobe or or um, they're connected to a couple in ho- a couple Hollywood types or, or celebrities there. Um, so it, it's definitely a testament to the demand there is in the market for these high-profile individuals to invest and support um, the companies that they invest in. And, you know, our, our goal is to really just grow our, our base. You know, I mentioned we have 25 influencer athlete types now. Um, you know, we want to get that number as high as possible and we want it to touch more than just, uh, more than just sports. Like there's, we want to have a, such a deep roster that it, pretty much any brand, uh, consumer facing company out there, um, could find uh, an influencer that that resonates with that brand and that could support them. Um, so, so from a high level, that's the goal. Um, and we we need to prove out we need to prove out the model first before um, before we really expand uh, to to that type of platform. Nice. So, so when you when you guys are like working with athletes or influencers, do you th- have you seen like a large part of it being like educating them on certain processes of how you all invest or um, like how has that process been to like to help help kind of deep dive into like, you know, venture funding and all that. Have you seen kind of a um, a barrier or something that's like they need to kind of uh, an education gap of like, all right, how do you actually invest and educate them on, on the best practices? Yeah, no, it's a good question. It's um, it's amazing how, um, how focused and interested in invest, focused on and interested in investing, um, these, some of these younger athletes are. I think it's just, it's become a bigger and bigger story. Um, you know, with Kevin Durant making a bunch of money on Lyft or Uber or something and it, it's all over the news and, 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 and they more and more are being thoughtful about, um, about life after football or whatever sport they're playing and, and setting themselves up. Uh, for that life by being, you know, responsible with their investments early on. Um, so, you know, we've done, um, right now we've done one event, um, with kind of an educational focus to it where it was a panel, um, partnered with Athletes First, which is a big uh, NFL agency mm-hmm. here and, um, had a bunch of their younger, uh, younger guys, um, attend and it was a panel with Aaron, Danica, um, Jasmine Howard and uh, a guy named Chuck Esserman, who's uh, founder and CEO of TSG Consumer, which is a big, uh, a big private equity fund out of San Francisco, um, and, and and that got that got a lot of great engagement. And um, you know, I think these guys are more and more focused on it. And it, you know, what we're just trying to message is that uh, you know, it's it, it, it's probably better to um, take a portfolio approach versus just kind of 
willy-nilly decide one-off uh, as people pitch, pitch you deals if you if you want to invest in them or not. Um, so, you know, our, our message is, you know, let's let's uh, take that portfolio approach through uh, investing in an institutionalized fund like ourselves where, um, you know, we're, we have the resources and, and kind of the expertise to, to vet deals and, and build a portfolio. Mm-hmm. Nice. So, so are events an area that you guys like utilize for the education process or are there other ways like courses or things that you would provide like, or is events like a good way to just get people in person to, to do that? Uh, we, we've, we've actually had discussions about some sort of uh, edu- like course work type of thing. And mm-hmm. we, we were, I wouldn't say we were close, but we were in early stage discussions with, with CAA and another BC fund uh, seed invest about doing something at CAA around the SBs that included kind of an educational component. I think the, the big problem is, you know, designing that in a way that is appealing and interesting uh, yeah. for these athletes. It's a little easier for them to, or, or more interesting for them to show up to a panel that, you know, Aaron is involved with or on uh, than have them show up to a classroom and give them homework. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Nobody yeah. likes that. We'll, we'll figure it out. It's definitely top of mind uh, for sure. And I think, um, you know, as we make a few more investments and, uh, you know, have a little more time to step back and, and, and think through, you know, those higher level goals, um, I think that'll definitely become a piece of what we do. Nice. Yeah, we got we to gotta get you out to one of our events. We um, we did one two weeks ago here in New York, and uh, it's called the Athlete Platform. So we did one in um, September, early September, and then early October. We brought in uh, former NFL players and kind of gave them that platform to, like, share what they're doing, whether it's, like, philanthropy, investing, certain aspects. And then there's other athletes, other people in the room that are kind of learning from that. And um, we'll definitely keep you uh, in the loop with uh, another one that we're doing in New York or Super Bowl week or something like that. But um looks like we have um, a few more questions that came in. So um, if anyone is li- – or the 50 or so people are listening, if you guys have questions, type them in there and we'll get to it. So uh, from Dominic uh, Sorcy, he says, uh, what, are, what are you looking for as far as the size of investment, um, like from a pre-seed or Series A size? Like what's the average check size that you guys are uh, are writing? Yeah. Um, well, we won't, we won't do anything to your pre-seed, but average, I'd say that the target check range is one to five million. I think uh, right now we're probably averaging uh, around one and a half, two. Um, but uh, try to stay away from sub-million dollar checks. You know, that can be a little tricky sometimes. Um, so we do have a few investments that are sub-million, but um, right now we're pretty focused on um, million plus checks. Mm-hmm. Nice. Uh, another question came in from uh, Lee. Uh, so the NBA has seen a lot of athletes starting joining tech ventures and the leagues adopt technology quite easily. Um, the NFL has a lot of athletes investing as well. Um, how do you see the landscape in terms of one athletes investing into sports willingness to adopt technology? Yeah. Um, so on the athletes investing front, I think, uh, this is actually one area that Aaron feels pretty passionate about. Um, you know, you do hear a lot about athletes investing in the, the hottest tech unicorn and, and they're getting access to good deal flow because of who they are, um, you know, in some of these high flying tech companies and, 
and you know whatnot, uh, impossible or beyond meets IP, pre-IPO round. Um, and in Aaron's mind, um, as athletes are investing, they should be thinking about uh, whether the the company or the brand is a fit with their personal brand and their kind of fan base and their following, and and whether or not you know they are actually there to help that brand or they're actually doing anything uh, to move the needle or if it's just kind of um, a hot pre-IPO round and they're just kind of throwing money at it just like a lot of other people are. Um, So in our minds, um, you know, there will always be these these tech investments by athletes in some of these hotter uh, deals just because they're getting access. But um, we think ultimately the more sustainable approach will be, um, it will be what Aaron feels passionate about. And that's kind of athletes and influencers investing in companies and brands that truly resonate with them and that they actually, you know, enjoy to use the, they enjoy the product and use the product and uh, the, the brand image is a fit with, kind of what they stand for in their fan base. Um, and then the, the second question on, could you repeat that is on adopting technology? Yeah. In the sports, um, you know, more, I guess more so the leagues, like a willingness to adopt technology. Um, so it could vary, you know, from NBA to NFL, but um, yeah, the sports believed in their willingness to adapt. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I probably can't, uh, you know, speak on that much from, um, from an expert's perspective, um, just given, uh, you know, I, I, myself and the fund, we're, we're kind of more focused on, on the consumer-facing brand front. But I will say we see a ton of new technologies geared towards uh, towards serving sports leagues or the NCAA and kind of making um, making everything more efficient there. But I don't have an informed opinion on it. Nice. Um, so a question would be more so like uh, another question would be like for getting into venture capital or even sports VC, kind of any recommendations for someone that's trying to like break through um, or kind of like networking pieces of advice that you were able to, you know, get to where you're at, like anything, especially from the VC side of things. Yeah, I'd say uh, VC is, uh, is a tricky uh, a tricky world in terms of breaking in because it, there's no kind of clear path. You know, in, in private equity, it's you go to a bank or to a consultant firm and then you jump to private equity, whereas VC is a little more amalgus. But I think uh, I think the the big piece of advice I I would have is, is don't um, downplay and don't under, underestimate the value of working in an operating role um, at, at, a, at either a startup or um, kind of a mid-sized growth company um, and cutting your teeth there um, and, you know, being in that position as you network with some of these VCs um, because I, I think more and more um, the VC funds are focused less on someone with a financial background and more with, more on people with, with operating backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, another question would be, um, any bold predictions that you might have for, you know, the next five, 10 years um, within maybe any sector or you could focus, let's, we could focus on sports, but something that would be kind of like people would like kind of scratch their heads, like that super bold kind of like a prediction, but um, do you have anything like that or some, some area you think that's really uh, like high growth? Yeah. Um, I, I, I won't say I have any, um, 
crazy bold predictions, but I think one one thing uh, you know I've thought about a lot recently, and I think will um, will be a huge area of growth um, in the next five ten years is um, what I like to call the the forgotten consumer. Uh, but it's essentially everyone in the middle of the country, your average American, you know, your Fox News watcher, NRA cardholder, um, consumer that uh, all these upstart, cool, new, hip brands are not serving them. They're, they're catering to uh, your millennials living on the coast. Um, and there really is not much kind of upstart direct consumer brand activity targeting um, you know, a, a very large swath of the of the population, and uh, I think historically, um, you know, the, the 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 thought was, oh, those consumers are not you know spending as much on cool new brands; they're more loyal to older brands that have been around forever. But um, you know, I'm seeing every once in a while a few brands popping up that that are proving that not to be true, and I think. I think you're going to see more and more kind of um, a focus on um, what I like to call the, the, the forgotten middle America consumer um, from some of these upstart brands because I, I really think it's an untapped uh, portion of the population, at least from a kind of direct-to-consumer perspective. Nice. So um, are, are you guys looking specifically like domestic investments in the U.S. or are there – you know, international certain areas in, in around the world that kind of pique your interest, whether it's in um, Asia or Europe or certain parts, uh, or is it, are you guys just most mostly focused on U.S.-based uh, companies? Yeah, we're we're focused on on the U.S. Um, I think it's just harder for us to find a path to add value for uh, for companies selling into to other markets, at least primarily. Mm-hmm. Mainly just because of the football focus that you guys might have, or those types of influencers. Yeah, yeah, that's that's uh, that's a big part of it, and you know, it's also it's it, it's tough uh, as a small fifty million dollar fund to uh, not stay narrowly focused, um, particularly uh, when it comes to geography. Um, in my mind, I think uh, fine. There are some exceptions to this, but I think. Um, most successful funds will have a geographic focus on a specific uh, country, typically the U.S., or if they're kind of a European or Asia-focused fund, then then focused over there. Amazing. Cool. So um, we can wrap it up soon. If uh, I guess the last question would be like if you have any kind of parting wisdom for whether startups trying to seek investment or athletes trying to break through, just like, you know, kind of two separate pieces of advice, but uh, something to, I don't know, keep them going or something to kind of look forward to any, any parting wisdom for them. Yeah. I mean, for, uh, for, for startups, you know, trying to break through, I'd say, um, you know, don't get discouraged. I think uh, the most common growth path for, um, and, and this is related to, Consumer, I'm not sure if it's applicable to tech, but the most common growth path for a, a new consumer brand is what's called the skate ramp growth model. And it's you're kind of here for the first two, three, even four years before, you know, you really take off and your awareness grows and you're off to the races. So there's a, you have to spend a lot of time here before you can kind of hit that inflection point. And I think uh, 
you know, you, you just kind of have to keep keep grinding away and, and focusing on the small wins um, until then. Um, and it's it's uh, it's pretty amazing how quickly that inflection can happen when you look at a, a brand like a Halo Top ice cream or or X bar. Um, so so that that's the advice for the for the entrepreneur. And then um, what was the the second piece of advice? More for the either invest, uh, investor or the athlete slash influencer, um, any kind of advice for kind of parting wisdom for, you know, how to kind of maintain what you built on the field or, you know, in your profession to, to continue growing after. Yeah, you know, I'll just go back to, uh, you know, Aaron's words of wisdom to uh, some of the younger athletes that are, you know, getting more involved in, in investing and thinking about the future. It's just, you know, stay, stay, stay true to yourself and, um, you know, don't invest behind a, a company or brand that, that really doesn't resonate with you and what you believe in. Amazing. Cool. So I really appreciate you taking the time. Thanks for um, all the people that, that tuned in to listen. Um, people can rewatch this if, um, and tune in afterwards on LinkedIn. And we'll also put that, uh, put this into a podcast as well for people listening to audio, but um, thanks again, Ryan. I'll, I'll link your uh, LinkedIn here so people can kind of drop some traffic to what you guys are doing. But um, thanks again. Yeah, thanks, Nick, and thanks everyone for the for the questions and for for tuning in. Really enjoyed it. Cool. Amazing. Right. Looking forward to following along. See ya. Thank you so much for tuning in this episode of the Sports Biz Pod. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you haven't already, connect with us on all social channels at Sports Biz Group. You can also visit our website, www.sportsbizgroup.com, for amazing resources, events, newsletters, and ways to get an edge in the sports industry. We look forward to continue to unveil new amazing episodes with special guests. Please reach out at any time for any recommendations, ideas, or ways to collaborate. Please go give us a five-star review and subscribe. Look forward to seeing you next show. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran. Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.